Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. In this episode, I have my good buddy Dylan Dawson on again. This is probably the fourth, fifth time I've had him on, and it's always a great conversation, great chat, and fun to kind of watch his career grow and do what he's doing with Onyx. So he's finds some success there with Onyx and a, and an excellent, great company that I'm really excited to always, always, uh, do episodes with. So we chat about some of the Montana new changes and things that have experienced. He's experienced there in Montana, uh, as well as some of the Onyx masterclass stuff, some of their new features with Onyx. And then we talk just a lot of, a lot of hunting plans and, um, He's probably out in the field right now doing a little elk hunting. So I think I saw a video of him doing heading back horseback somewhere. So I think that's kind of what he's doing. And we talk about some of the the things with that hunt um, before he heads out. So again, thanks for listening. And as always, don't forget to leave a positive review and uh, episode ideas and that sort of thing. So thanks and enjoy. All right, Dylan, thanks for coming back on to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. Always great to have you and talking hunting, talking Onyx, and just a little bit of life here and there. So uh, welcome back, and if you would, just tell us a little about yourself. Uh, probably third, fourth time you've been on, and it's always yeah. great great having you. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the invite back um, and for having us back on. I, you know, as you said, I think this is high. I'll have to go back and look, but this has to be number four, I think. Yeah. Um, always good conversation. Good to catch up with you and, and just kind of see what, what you've got going on this year, what I've got going on. And I think like, like you said, before you just hit record, we're, we're catching up and we're talking hunting anyway. So let's just record. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I've been with Onyx. I mean, for anybody who hasn't heard the other episodes, um, I've been with Onyx for about seven years now. So I've seen, you know, a lot of uh, uh, growth and um, great product changes within the company. 
Um, I personally manage Western big game marketing stuff. So anything Western big game marketing wise, you know, whether it be emails or I work a ton with our ambassadors, um, which is a really cool part of my job. I mean, I grew up watching a lot of these guys on TV and, you know, watching their hunts and stuff unfold with my dad. And now I get to know these folks and work with them and have a, a professional relationship with them. So it's another uh, pretty cool aspect of what I do, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for fall. We are, man, we are a couple weeks away. It is crazy, crazy how quickly it's come. And I say that every year you think I would uh, learn by now to just look at the calendar and then you know when it's coming, but it seems like it sneaks up on us every year. Yeah, absolutely. This is my first year not elk hunting in eight years, so um, I'm just going to live vicariously through my podcast <laughs> and people I talk to, and uh, everybody's getting jacked anyway about, about elk, archery elk and uh, the September season, so uh, yeah, let me know. What do you got going on? Where are you headed? What are you doing? Yeah, so this year, I don't have a ton of, of hunts planned. Um they change. So I'm resident in Montana. I've always lived in Montana. Montana has a ton of opportunity um, as far as long seasons, archery and rifle seasons typically, and um, just a lot of opportunities. So I will, I'll be spending about 90% of my season in Montana. Um, they changed it up on us a little bit this year though with elk. Um, so they adopted kind of you know, what, what I'm used to with the, the meal deer tags here. So if you draw an elk tag this year for a specific unit, so if you draw a permit, you can only hunt that unit and not general. So typically I live in Western Montana. You know, a lot of times I would apply for a permit and then, uh, you know, wait till prime time, I don't know, the third, fourth week of September to go hunt that area. Well, in the meantime, I could hunt all the general units around me um, before that. So, you know, I got in a lot of hunting, a lot of extended weekends, and then I would take off a week or two weeks and go hunt, uh, that particular permit unit that I drew, um, this year that changed, like I said, so I can only hunt that area that I drew my tag for, um, and nowhere else. So I'll be doing a lot of elk hunting still, but it will be a lot of elk hunting without my bow in my hand, which will be a little bit different this year, but honestly, I'm excited. I've got some fun hunts with uh, friends and, and family lined up where I'm just going to go tag along and, and be a caller and, you know, just not have my bow, which, you know, at first I was, I was pretty bummed about at first, but the more I'm thinking about it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to spend some time and hopefully help other folks find success until I go hunt my unit. Um, I think it will just add a little bit of pressure when I'm hunting for myself, knowing that my window is, you know, more closed, I won't be able to get 20 days in the field elk hunting this year. But, um, so yeah, they, they threw a curveball at us this year a little bit with Montana. Yeah. So is that gonna, what do you think it's going to do? Like if, if you have removed all of the people who drew a permit from being able to hunt general, do you think that's going to make some improved hunting for for that some maybe less pressure on general units or yeah i i I mean it has to um it's going to do a a few different things and honestly although it affects me i 
I mean, I would maybe say negatively because my my days in the field elk hunting for myself are, you know, being cut down. Although it affects me in that way, I totally understand why they did it and I'm not opposed to it. Um, I think, like you said, I think the general hunters will have a better experience. There will be less crowding. Um, but hopefully it will make some of these these permits that that folks and myself are applying for not quite as difficult to draw. Um because it will prohibit some folks from putting in for those knowing that, okay, they're stuck hunting that unit and it might be a nine hour drive from where they live. And that's logistically tough. Um, and, you know, I think the big re one of the big reasons, and I'm speculating here is the objectives for those units. Um, if they are over objective for elk population and they're getting a lot of folks to apply to those units and then killing a bull in general units and not the unit they applied for. That's not helping their objectives. Um, that makes me at all. Tough. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand that yeah. that can throw a wrench in it for them and their numbers as well, because, you know, I was guilty of that a couple of times where I would draw a unit and one year I killed a bull in general before I got to go over there. And another year, like we, you know, I've done this a couple of times, honestly, with myself and um, hunting buddies and coworkers. It's like you go hunt that unit and you struggle for four days and you're like, well, I know I know where an elk herd is hanging around in a general unit. Like, let's ditch this place and go hunt where we know there's elk in a general unit. So you're leaving the the permit that you drew um, where they're trying to, to help those objectives and going back to a general unit to try and fill a tag. So. Again, I, I totally understand it. Um, it just is, it will be interesting. Hopefully it's productive for everybody. The general land hunter, uh, the general unit hunter is having a better experience. It's easier for us to draw tags. And um, I think it will be good. We'll, we'll see how it all unfolds. And that's, and you're having that logistical concern issue too, right? That it's a drive for you to get to your unit, your permit unit. So that's what's cutting down your done your hunt yep. time hmm. yeah definitely it's uh it's quite the trek montana is a big state and yeah. depending on where you draw it uh it's uh quite the drive over and you know gas prices and time away from family and having a little one in the house now and stuff and logistically it'll be tough i'll probably get over there for one, well i have one week planned um already that i'll make it over for sure and then if i need to I might try and do like a long weekend, uh, the following weekend, go back or something, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. Now that's for archery. Since I drew an archery only permit, if I was unsuccessful with my bow, then I could hunt general units with my rifle. So it, uh, you know, it's still a pretty, pretty good process in, in that. So, um, that being said, I, rarely hunt elk um with rifles so hopefully i can get it done during archery yeah is is that change uh did i hear you say something about just elk or is that already the case with deer so deer has been like that for a while um i'm not incredibly well versed on deer i i've drawn one deer permit in my entire you know years of hunting montana um i actually drew one of the the hardest tag to draw when I was 13 years old, I believe. Um, so quite a while ago. And I know with that one, um, don't hold me to it because it's been a long time since I've drawn. But with that one, it was the same. So if you draw that mule deer unit, 
you can only hunt that unit. You can't hunt mule deer in any other unit, but you could shoot a whitetail with your, your general tag, you know, in general units that would just negate that mule deer permit you drew. So rarely would that happen unless you saw just a giant whitetail that, that you couldn't help yourself on. Um, but yeah, it's been like that for a while for, for deer to my knowledge. Got it. Okay. I'm just really trying to learn Montana now that I'm not in Colorado anymore. I am in Western South Dakota. Mm -hmm. It's closer. Uh, it's, I mean, I've, I've hunted South Dakota my whole life and, uh, I'm, yep. I'm excited to come back in here and hunt and expand. And uh, now that I'm adult with a normal job, I can. I can. It's a feasible <laughs> thing to save up and to do hunts like that. And and every year go do an elk hunt. Minus a year, I had uh, we had I had another kid five months ago. So this is that's kind of the 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 thing that's keeping me out from that. And then also a bear hunt. You know, doing doing totally. that doing that bear hunt this year is that's kind of my big out of state hunt. And then I drew a Colorado deer tag that, that is really kind of keeping me out. Uh, don't need two Colorado tags, the $400 yep. for that Colorado tag. And then a $700, it just doesn't really, I could do it, but, uh, I really want to focus on some archery deer here. And our, our planes our deer are just like, or our prairie deer are just like, same as that eastern montana eastern wyoming eastern colorado it's all the western south dakota it's all that plains mule deer and there's some whitetail mixed in there just fun challenging rolling hills i'm really excited about it i'm that's my that's my main goal my wife said i gotta get less tags this year and maybe just focus on some harder ones (laughs) that's what she said i gotta not not stack them up like i did last year too many too many tags and you're yeah, jump, definitely jumping uh, around too many too many seasons and things yeah no so i have a colorado uh mule deer tag ri- rifle tag for this year um so it'll be my first time actually hunting colorado mule deer sweet we've and, been talking about that and now yeah, it's happening i know it's it's coming up quick i gotta figure out some uh some travel arrangements and stuff for that actually that reminds me but um so i yeah i try not to overstretch i thought about also doing wyoming elk this year but Mm -hmm. it's like man it's just tough i don't want to ever get to a point that i have i mean it's first world problems right but too (laughs) many tags to where i can't uh give the ones that i have the time that i feel they deserve Mm -hmm. um you know, it's easy to be like, okay, hey, I've got Wyoming elk and I've got Idaho elk and I've got Colorado deer and I've got Montana. So you just start like checking off, you know, boxes. You're like, okay, hey, I've been here five days. I got to move on, check off the box. And I don't, I don't want to do that. You do spend, as you alluded to, you spend a lot of time and money and um, whatever on these tags. And I would rather have, a, you know, maybe a little bit fewer and do them more justice um, than just be like, I want as many tags as I can get this year. And hopefully I get to a point in my life where I can do that. But with a little one at home and stuff, it uh, just makes it a little bit more challenging and, and just have to be a little bit more selective. But the, uh, you know, the mule deer with a bow, what you were just talking about, it really intrigues me. I, I've always archery hunted elk with a bow in Montana and then rifle season rolls around and I, I make a switch almost to, to deer. And one thing that I think the, uh, the tag allocation will, that, that change we were just talking about in Montana 
will allow me to do is actually maybe take a, a weekend or a week and, and go chase mule deer around with my bow for the first time um, in quite a while. So I am looking forward to that opportunity. You know, it's one of those things if there's, if I have an elk tag in September and there's bugling elk somewhere and I have, you know, my bow, that's what I'm going to be doing. But now that my hand is being forced a little bit, I will be okay spending, you know, four or five days trying to, to get after some mule deer with a bow and, and check that out. So that is one, another upside of that potentially. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Do, uh, and we're not going to share, uh, even if you wanted to, uh, of your, your Colorado unit, but are you looking mm-hmm. north, which region, Northwest, Northeast, Southeast, Southwest? Uh, so it'd be Southwest, uh, Southwest. Yeah. And we, so we worked a lot, we work a lot with hunt and pool as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, I guess for the listeners, just, we, we have this really cool uh, partnership with hunt and pool um, and top rut. So all Onyx elite members have a free digital membership to hunt and pool, free access to top rust rods. And I, we worked a lot with hunt and pool and they're some of the most knowledgeable folks on you know any units um any state for for western big game hunting and just kind of laid it all out it's like hey here's we applied as a party um i'll be hunting with an ambassador group of ours uh born and raised outdoors and we're like hey two of us have this many points two of us have this many points here's the type of look and feel of a hunt we would love to have Um, what is realistic, what can we actually draw because we want to go this year? Um, what would you recommend and why? And we, we looked over a bunch of different units, um, bunch of different opportunities and kind of landed on one that just seemed to fit, fit everything we were looking for, um, with kind of a, I won't say a guarantee with point creep, you never know, but just a a pretty good chance we were going to draw and we all, we all drew. So, um, working with them helped out immensely to narrow it down i mean it would have been a a ton of research and um you know we still did a lot of research but just talking to folks that have actually hunted those units and you know be like oh here's what i was finding a couple years ago in that unit and so on and so forth is so so helpful i was just listening uh on my drive home here just a minute ago to the hoyt bow hunting podcast on uh, searching and locating elk with Ryan Carter's uh, Wednesday's episode they had, but they were going through um, talking about you know you got your unit two and unit ten in Colorado which are like twenty some odd maybe thirty points to draw that that elk tag, and your expectation of being able to find a three fifty plus bull are are there and it's realistic, but many many of these really nice elk are still being found in these these uh less pressured units um mm-hmm. and, and really interesting to hear about guys killing 350 380 monster bulls they're few and far between but they are still absolutely on those over-the-counter units they're they're in those those areas that are Everybody can draw a tag in. You don't have to go totally. to unit unit two, unit ten, and uh, I, I definitely think the the hunt fool um, resources and uh, and many of the others there are, are definitely something that helps you kind of look at some of those statistics and uh, harvest stats and the um, 
trophy quality and all, all those sorts of things are definitely helpful. And I would plug too. I really enjoy, I listen, I watch like two channels on YouTube TV and then otherwise I flip over to YouTube and I'm watching, uh, hunting fool. Their YouTube channel is pretty sweet. I, I like it. It's very, very and, good. And your guys is I always enjoy watching the hunts and the, the various things. There's always, it's good quality. Um, nice length to it just really really good entertainment to get you excited so those are i've been enjoying the hunting hunting fool hunts yeah i appreciate it yeah they 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 do a really good job with their uh films brady um works there and i know him personally he he's their camera guy and and puts together those films and he does a very very good job i'm always really impressed and excited when when one of those is coming out but you know to your point there with those elk and i I was so guilty of this for so many years. Like, okay, I'm going to buy, I'm going to wait till I get all these points in Wyoming. I'm going to wait till I get all of these points in Colorado before I apply and, and, and go in my mind. I'm like, well, if I can build up to 15 points, I'll, you know, I'll have this great hunt with giant elk or giant deer everywhere. And it'll be this spectacular thing. And, you know, just looking at it with a different lens and talking with, folks that are much more educated, like, um, the hunting full folks, it's like, you can do that. You can have 20 points, drop 20 points on a mule deer hunt or an elk hunt in Colorado or any of these States and go and just have a, an experience that in your mind, it is going to be the pinnacle of your hunting experience has taken all these years and all this time. And it be a bad weather year or just an off year and not find at all what you're looking for and you know feel like you're settling and just there's a lot of pressure that rides along with that and i think a lot of unrealistic expectations um for those hunts there's not no matter what tag you have like yes there are some incredible units but um you know it is still a hunt there's still a lot that goes into it and you know bad weather for example can completely ruin a hunt um and so their mindset and i agree with this the more that i talk to folks that that do it this way and the more research I've done, their mindset is, okay, instead of waiting 15 years to hunt Colorado elk, why not go or mule deer? Why not go every two to three years? And you have that many more chances at finding, you know, one of those animals like you were talking about, like a 350 bull. Um, if you're going every like two to three years, you have so much more opportunity and you're getting in so many more hunts and, um, you know, let's, let's face it. Like we all want to go fill a tag and, and, you know, shoot the most mature animal we can find. And that's great. But, you know, I've never had a bad time out hunting and spending time learning new country. And so if I can go more often and just up my chances of, of finding that type of that classification of animal that way, um, it's just oftentimes way more productive than putting all your eggs in one basket and then, uh, you know, stressing out if you're not finding what you're looking for. I agree with that a hundred percent. And me and my buddies have always said it's not worth stockpiling points in Colorado because for deer, uh, specifically, uh, just there's, there's really good units all over and there's good mule deer, really good mule deer to be had. Um, definitely the opera Colorado is a great opportunity state for, uh, for elk, but it's also maybe not known for monster monster. There's plenty of monster, monster deer elk there, but they're, it's, it takes some time to, to find them and, and find those little spots. So uh, the, um, 
I would totally echo that waiting for, uh, waiting for that, that once in a lifetime hunt is not, that's not my style either. I want to, I want to spread that out in opportunity. And South Dakotans are bad about that. I'll tell you that, <laughs> that they, uh, our, our elk tags are coveted here. It's like, it's better than Nebraska because Nebraska has got them monster bulls in their cornfields, but it's better than there. But people wait on average 17 years to draw their South Dakota elk tag. And there's a few other opportunities mm. and they've, never hunted elk their first elk hunt is here and they've been waiting for that tag it's like you got to go learn how to hunt elk first you need to go fail over and over again and get an idea i mean our elk are amazing there's some really good quality elk um most guys are shooting uh 277 275 i think i heard 277 from a biologist once so that's why that number sticks out but yeah. right in that that's your average four-year-old bull is at 277 here and or 75 somewhere in there so you're that's like the standard you can find yep. those bulls no big deal and then we get the nice 300 325s um a 388 was hit on the highway the other day and oh man no in velvet big seven point it's just a monster and he's only six years old um, wow. from the, what the biologist kind of looked at, just a stud of a bull. So he'll shrink quite a bit because he's in, he's in velvet, but it's a, it's a monster bull. But yep. yeah, so I, I really help hope and I'll echo what you're saying. Just encourage people to, to go fail somewhere else to learn how to elk hunt in these, uh, non-trophy units in the over-the-counter and the um the general seasons or wherever because i i think you got to learn how to learn how to fail before you're gonna really tackle one of those high pressure units that not high pressure as in the amount of hunters but high pressure is you got a lot of pressure to shoot something nice and big go shoot a regular yep I uh, I am not above shooting raghorns. Let no. me tell you, <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, you spend some time, especially you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Even draw units, but um, general units, public land, like heck, even private. I, a lot of people have the stigma that if you hunt private land, is you're just walking out there and you're picking the one you want to shoot and you're shooting it. It's like I, I I hunt a ton of public. I've I've been fortunate enough to get on some private and hunt that too, and. Let me tell you, that's not the case. Yes, it is better hunting, but, um, you know, you spend any amount of time out there hunting elk, especially, and especially with the bow. I mean, rifle hunting is, is really no different, but it's so difficult and challenging. And it's like, you know, if I get a, if I can call in a raghorn or a small five point bull and, and fill my freezer for the year, like I am tickled pink. Um, so I, yeah, I agree. Like go, just go do it more more is is better um everybody wants to you know have that 350 bull hung up on their wall but um you got i just want to go no i (laughs) I don't know how big yours is but yours is close right he's not quite there but he's really close um but yeah i just i just want to spend more days elk hunting that's why you know this year like i said i i won't hunt that much for myself but i am so excited to go be a caller for you know four days on the opening weekend for for my uncle and, and for some buddies and stuff and just experiencing the elk woods. It's I'm getting the itch as we talk about it more. I'm getting more and more excited for a couple oh, yeah. weeks. Yeah. My, my buddy with hunt AZ, I just was texting him today. Uh, 
and he has a buddy or, or relatives that drew the Arizona Strip tag. So he's he's excited to go on that hunt, and he's like, unfortunately, I don't really have much tags, but an archery tag. And it's like, who cares? You get to go do an Arizona Strip tag, like go on that hunt. Just the pressure alone of being by the trigger, behind the trigger, maybe, or behind the bow. I'm not sure what it is, but yep. that pressure that's there, I may just want to hand that off to someone else and <laughs> let them yeah, have exactly. the taxidermy bill and uh, it's if you got the right hunting party it's your deer too uh that, that totally. you're you're working together on i definitely have those with with buddies that we shared that deer we shared that that bull i called it in he shot it um equal effort yeah on i mean both parties a lot of times i remember those even more than the ones where i was behind the bow um And yeah, as long as I can fill my freezer every fall. Now my freezer is looking a little, uh, we need to fill it back up. So, um, (laughs) that being said, you know, I, I hope to be successful in that regard, but that's the other cool thing is usually when I'm with buddies and they're successful, they'll, uh, they'll share a little bit of the, the meat that you help them pack out. So that's always a good thing. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I was thinking uh, on a conversation or a few topics ago, and it just kind of keeps popping up in my head of, remember back, Hunter Safety, uh, when you're flipping through that little magazine and it it hits the five stages of a hunter, the, uh, maybe we've talked about this, I don't know, it just keeps popping up in my head, but you got the shooter stage, you got the limiting out stage, you got the trophy stage, the method stage, and then the sportsman stage when you're just happy to to be there or, um, the method stage where you try muzzleloader archery. I think they're going to have to rewrite this eventually because I think a lot of people are jumping into this cycle later on. And I feel like I just, I was stuck in limiting out stage for so long of, I just got to fill tags, fill tags. And I feel like I've just jumped way ahead. And there's a little bit of that trophy stage, a little bit of that method stage and a little bit of that sportsman stage where I just want to, I just want the experience and not load up on tags like we were saying earlier, or, um, we have no problem shooting a raghorn. We want to be behind the call instead of the bow or, um, it's just all those, those, it's all about the experience. We want to go have that amazing hunt experience over having three of them that were go and shoot one on opening morning and, and you move on to the next thing. So it, it just, uh, I think that's going to have to be rewritten, and, and I know our, as a hunter ed instructor, our our handbooks are a little 
old and outdated anyway. <laughs> Same yeah. images from uh, uh, forever ago as the guy falls out of the tree stand or he's hanging there. It's the same same cartoon drawings, but um, you hear that idea? You got a <laughs> International Hunter Education Association or whatever they are. Need time to update. Get that thing. Get that thing updated. Well, you should just uh, go ahead and write it for him. <laughs> oh, sell it to him. Right there. Yeah, There's, exactly. <laughs> I've yeah. rewritten this, and I know the biggest thing that drives me nuts on that test, I don't know if it's on any other states, but it's on ours. It says that a 22 is lethal out to over a mile, and it drives me nuts. You talk to a lot of guys, like, at, at a mile, a 22 round, if it got there, is tumbling. So it, it's not any longer doing anything. I know the whole yeah. the whole idea is know what's beyond your target, know what's, um, yeah, well, no identifying yeah. your target, know what's beyond the target, but come on, yeah, that, that bullets, <laughs> it's tumbling. But. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it's interesting. I mean, I you know I went through hunter safety a long time ago, and um, now that I have a kid, you know, obviously he's just over a year old, so we've got quite a bit of time before hunter safety, but you know, it's just one of those things you kind of go through and, and you do it and there's not a lot of furthering education. But now that I have a kid who hopefully will, you know, be into to hunting and everything with me, you know, you start to think about those things. And I have wondered a few times, like, I wonder what they're teaching nowadays in hunter safety, if it's, if it's that much more advanced or whatnot. So maybe I'll have to get involved um, a little bit before. And so that way I can at least know, what to expect or how I can help out. It really hasn't. Um, honestly, yeah. it's, it's like the same st- thing. I've been a hunt safe instructor in multiple States and it's kind of the same. And, and one thing that is lacking is, and, and a great time to plug this is hunter education instructors. It's a lot of old timers. It's just like your SCI Rocky mountain elk pheasants forever, all mule deer foundation those are the old timers that now they wanted to give back and do something. Uh, got to have those people. They got deep pockets. <laughs> Some of them got deep pockets and want to donate. Um, they've got a wealth of knowledge, but they also aren't all educators. They yeah. will stand in front and just talk at you. And it's that three nights of hunter education where you stand in front and get talked to and that's not the way education is now. You, in the classroom, you've got rotations. You have visual, hands-on, uh, which is the harder thing to do. So if we can get some educators, more educators, I know every state's probably low on hunter education instructors. That is an mm-hmm. area of need, a high, high area of need. And I know my classes that they fill and they uh, – there's still not enough. They're definitely yeah. not enough. So people need to look into that. And as their, their kids get to that, be that 10, 11, 12, maybe look at volunteering and, and maybe you just teach a class or two in the summer. That's you just helped out a lot. So I would really encourage people with some sort of personal skills and maybe a little education skills or something like that. Volunteer time to be a hunt safe instructor in your state to, to share, to give back on in, in that world. And I think, it's a easy thing to get into there. I know Colorado, I had to be like an apprentice for a while under somebody. Uh, now there's streamlined processes in each state of 
we'll train you up. Yep. You're ready to go be an instructor. So that'd be a, yeah, I, a I, good area. I think it's, it's really easy to, you know, have the mindset of, well, somebody else will do it. You know, somebody else will do it. I'm not, you know, and, and maybe even have some like self doubt of like, I'm not the best person to do that. But really, if you, if you think about it, like somebody has to do it. Um, and, you know, with a little bit of education, you know, and I'm speaking really for, for my personal thoughts here. It's just mm-hmm. maybe that person to do it is me. It, it's easy to be like, ah, somebody else will do it or that's somebody else's job or I'm busy. I've got this and that, whatever. But, um, yeah, no, it, it is, I think worth looking into and, and something that I've thought about a little bit, but, uh, yeah, might be the time here soon. Yeah. <laughs> so I might, I might be calling you after to, to figure you out how I can help out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you get tried to get, you go, it's banquets or sadly it's banquet season. I see pheasants forever. I just got done with an SEI banquet and August seems to be loaded with banquets and everything. And it, you just can't be a member of all of them. It's tough to, to really give to each one and you got to kind of pick and choose. And I think being a hunt safe instructor, hunter education instructor is just a touch different than that. Um, you're, you're, you're just, uh, it's not about necessarily the, the conservation side, which is important and the donation raising fundraising for projects and everything. This one is hunt safety, hunters, hunter safety and, and helping people be more ethical, uh, helping to reduce lots of accidents and, and all of those things that that were happening beforehand, uh, and so that that's a different approach. Uh, and we see we see accidents happen, and and you wonder why, and, and pretty much all of them have to do with identifying your target or what's beyond, uh, or swinging on game here in South Dakota because of pheasant hunting. Um, but that's where you're you're you have a different approach that's not just keeping hunting here but you're you're creating unity and and safety safety among hunters so that's a yeah. just another little plug there for people to look into it so let's uh let's look at uh some of onyx's new new features i had uh i've been enjoying the master classes that you guys have been putting out and i was watching a uh, recent YouTube video as well on the folders because I keep having that pop up on, on in my account saying you haven't created a folder yet you should try it and so I was like okay well uh, I had to share share a bunch of waypoints with people and instead of just clicking sharing clicking sharing and then can't remember who I all shared that with did I get them all uh, did you click on them all uh, and add them all uh, now there's a folder so. What are some of those cool new features we've had been added in the last six months or so? Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a handful and we're, you know, we're always working on new, new features as well as making sure that we have the most updated maps out there. Um, the, the master classes though, I'll touch on that real quick. Um, a lot of folks are utilizing those and we found some really good success as kind of a new avenue to reach our audience. Um, you know, everybody's kind of accustomed to, whether it be on YouTube, they like to educate themselves on YouTube, um, you know, through social media and all sorts of different avenues. Obviously, we have a lot of email avenues and just different marketing communications. But we have found uh, really good success and really good feedback from our customers on the the live. Essentially, what it is, is like a picture, like a Zoom call. Um, and we we have folks join the call. 
they can ask questions. It's, it's a lot of Q and a interactive. Um, and we, we usually have either ambassadors of ours on it, somebody that's an expert with what we're talking about. Uh, so I actually have one coming up in two days, um, with, uh, Dan, Dan Staten of Elk Shape. And we're going to be going through kind of start to finish of just like last minute elk hunting strategies, you know, what you might encounter, what to do if a bull hangs up, you know, that type of situational, um, discussion. And, and yeah, a lot of folks are liking that. So one thing I would say is like anybody listening who hasn't checked one of those out, definitely, uh, go to our, our website. We have a landing page with all the upcoming, uh, masterclasses on there. You can sign up and then we'll remind you, you know, just because you sign up doesn't mean you have to attend type deal. Um, but also all the ones we have done make their way to our YouTube channel after the fact. So we have a long list of those, you know, ranging from, you know, upland hunting to elk hunting to just using the app. Um, we have one, it's kind of a series that we call app 101 and really it's for, I won't even say beginners of using the app because there's just a lot of folks that benefit from that, even if they're not a beginner at using on X, underutilized users, users, they're not using all the features. Exactly. And I would say that's a majority of our, you know, customers and just anybody who uses the map, um, you know, they're not using it to its full potential. And a lot of them will, will even tell you that. I mean, every show I trade show I go to, somebody comes up and they're like, man, I, I love your guys' stuff. It helped me on this hunt and that hunt, but tell me what I don't know. Like I'm not using it to its capability. And, um, that's really what, what those, uh, masterclasses, those app one oh ones cover, is just all the way down to the basics. And um, we're starting to work on some, like we're calling them 201s, you know, just kind of that next step of, okay, now you understand the basics of how to use the the app and the, uh, the membership. And here is how you apply it to a real life situation. Say you're elk hunting in Colorado and here's the situation. Here's how you can use a map to be a more effective hunter um, and so on and so forth. So those are kind of a, a new thing for us, but they're going really well. And again, all that information, all that content makes its way to YouTube after the fact. Um, so check those out um, if you haven't already. But, uh, you know, we do cover a ton of the new features and what that looks like um, on the maps and stuff within those. But the folders, one that you talked about is is one I'm personally really excited for. So people are probably familiar with sharing waypoints and tracks and and lines and all that sort of thing and that is a really helpful tool i mean i can send a waypoint to a buddy and be like hey here's the trailhead let's meet at 4 30 tomorrow morning and then that waypoint goes right into his app he knows exactly where it's at there's no like hey so you're going to go about four miles but you know if you go past this turn with this bent tree you've gone too far and then you're going to make a hairpin up to the right and there's going to be a trailhead up there don't go to that one go to the next one like we've all done that and it's really difficult to do, especially in the dark with uh, headlights. Now you just share a waypoint and it's like, here's where I'll meet you. It's really, really simple. Um, and so, you know, you still have that capability, but the folders, what that allows you to do is instead of individually sharing those waypoints and those tracks and, and so on and so forth, you can compile it all into a folder. So if I have an elk unit that I have hunted before, you have not, and I want to share my my waypoints and my knowledge for all the wallows and camp spots and so on and so forth with you. I can just drop all of those 
waypoints and tracks and all that data into a folder and then just show you the folder. Now you have access to everything within it and it's not, you know, 30 different uh, text messages back and forth like, okay, what was this waypoint? What were you thinking here? Um, you just have access to that entire folder. So that one is is uh, really helpful this year. Yeah. I just saw too, one I haven't seen is is how to find sharp tail grouse. I'm look, looking forward to that master class because I got to, uh, I'll have to go back and watch that. It's just got a newer puppy really in her first, she's year in like three months. So this will be her first real season. And we mostly have sharp tail grouse on this side of the state. So I'll have to look at that. I'm not a, nice. I'm not a, uh, uh, big bird hunter. So I've, I've got a lot to learn on interested to see what, what they have to, you guys have to say on locating. Yeah. Pre grouse scouting yeah. on Onyx, a masterclass there. I'll have to watch that. that yeah. And good. we, we also have a ton of, uh, ton of masterclass information and just, uh, partnership deals with, just dog training and so on and so forth for, for upland, for waterfowl, for all that stuff. So check that out. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm focused on the Western big game side. I do bird hunt once in a while. Um, but you know, we have folks at the company that are essentially doing what I'm doing, but specifically focus on that upland, on that waterfall, on that, um, you know, white tailed deer and so on and so forth throughout the country. So yeah, we have a lot of information about just dog training um, dog handling, you know, that upland, uh, side of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. What other, what other new features can we, can we highlight or uh, things coming? Yeah. I mean, lots of new stuff coming. Another, uh, big one that I was just playing around with today again is, um, 3d exaggeration. So if you're in the mountains, yeah. If you're in the mountains, like 3d is, is super crucial. And, you can instantly see the value, the benefit of, of looking at the map in 3D and panning and, and all that good stuff. Um, but if you're hunting areas like, you know, breaky tech country or prairie or just anything like that, the 3D just didn't quite cut it in some areas. You know, it just wasn't as impactful. And so with 3D exaggeration, basically what it is is a slider bar that when you're in 3D, you can just drag that slider bar over and it exaggerates all the 3d up on the map. So, you know, it, it's really, again, it's really valuable in like that Eastern Montana, you know, the South Dakota areas where it's not a lot of topography. Um, you can just exaggerate that up a little bit and get it to a point where you're like, Oh, that's a good glassing point. Or like, Oh, that's a really good travel corridor from, um, some good feed to some potential bedding areas for elk and, and really utilize 3d in ways that, you weren't able to before so that one has been uh, probably one of my favorites for for a recent update is that on the desktop only exaggerating um it is right now you know that that is uh currently where it's at but we are working on some some things to hopefully allow that for other areas so hopefully that's soon yeah it's just like the um adding the the layers on that would just took a step in there to um, some of those features to, to slowly get there. And I, I appreciate that. If you think about it, the, um, little glitches, when you launch something completely all at once, <laughs> you got to find the, find the things that need, need fixed. So you don't launch something that's just a 
failure. <laughs> you got to work your yep. way through that. So I think that's smart and strategic. Well, that's, yeah, definitely. that's exciting. I'll have to, I haven't really messed around with that yet on my desktop and, um, I'm going to do that. I still have some scouting to do for got, uh, uh, December and November hunts that are really going to be kind of the focus for that sort of thing. I have to figure out some topography on, on that. And then also yeah. on the prairie, I guess with that sharp tail scouting, I'm going to do, uh, I gotta, I gotta be able to see something. I gotta figure out what the, cause on the prairie on my phone and desktop is just going to look flat. <laughs> Absolutely. Flat. Yeah, definitely. Even, even if you turn on a topo, the topo base map, I mean, it just, it's tough because um, you're there and you're like, there's definitely, there's topography to be looked at here. You mm-hmm. know, there are drainages, there are, you know, good glassing points when you're there in person, but then you look at a topo map or, you know, 3D and it's just, you're not quite getting what you're looking for. And that's where the exaggeration really comes into play. You can see the exaggeration with a topo base map or aerial imagery or the hybrid, all three of them. So it's really nice too to help uh, even learn how to read topo. A lot of a lot of people don't quite understand what they're looking at when they throw a topo base map on. And when you use that 3D exaggeration and you can actually pull it up and and look at it like that, it it starts to help make your mind make sense of what those topography lines are are showing you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll give those uh, a a little glance, check those out and start utilizing them. Uh, definitely not needing to pull in as many features all over the internet to, to figure this out and, and paint a picture of where we're hunting. Now able to just really do that in one spot or close to. So that's, that's helpful. Um, but you have September hunt and your archery. What, what season was your, your permit one? Um, third season. Oh, okay. So a little later. Then that's yep. rifle. Got yep. it. Yep. Yep. That one's a rifle in Colorado. You mean? Um, no, your Montana permit one. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's an archery. So I oh, mean, that archery. will kick yeah. off, that will kick off, um, I believe it's September 3rd, man. I should really know this. Uh, <laughs> September 3rd, September 5th. I can't hunt opening weekend for myself. So that's why I don't know exactly what day it is. Uh, September 3rd and then go all the way through mid October on that one. Um, so again, kind of a long archery season, but I probably won't make a trip over until, you know, second or third week of September. Um, let kind of the, the mad rush of opening weekend come and go and let those elk settle back down for a little bit and, and get a little bit more into the rut before I, uh, make the trek. Yeah, no, that's been kind of a, a topic among, a couple of podcasts I've been doing on that preseason versus peak rut versus a little later in the tail end of the rut. So it sounds like you'll be hitting more peak rut, peak rut times, which will be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It makes for, makes for an exciting week. Uh, regardless, might not always be the best week to, uh, get a nice bull killed if he's already, sure. you know, cowed up, but yeah. it's just, it, you know, I've, I've hunted earlier. I've hunted later. Um, and it also seems like different parts of the state are different parts, just different, um, different elk are different during different times of year. Like, you know, in more breaky country, I honestly prefer to hunt them a little bit later. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's always, you learn new stuff every year that you can apply to the next. And 
Um, that's one thing I love about it. It is you never, never quite get it figured out. It's like, should I go this weekend? Should I go this weekend? What's the moon doing? You know, what's the weather going to be like? What, what do you know, what are my best chances? Um, and it, it changes every year. So yeah, I was going to, I've been enjoying asking people this as to what your favorite, not what the best is necessarily, but what's your favorite time to go out. And so you, you're liking that, that later season. Yeah, I, I really do. I, you know, this year I will be going, um, let's see here. So September, it'll be like the 25th through 30th. So really it's the last week of September, um, into early October. And I, it seems to be a good week. Um, good week for me, for sure. Hopefully by then it'll be a little bit cooler. You know, you never really know. It's, it's been really abnormally hot in Montana this year um for quite some time now so i'm hoping it cools off but yeah that last week of september honestly is is kind of been my go-to for the past few years nice nice well excellent i uh now that i i don't live in elk country that i can hunt in all the every year i kind of really think about that as long as well as most hunters that are traveling to do that we don't live in that country so we got to think about it and think what's what's the best when's the time that we can go um, not just work yep. schedules, but when do we want to be in the field? Cause it seems like each part of that season has so, so many variables that, that change things up on top of time of the year, or what the weather's like and moisture content and, and all that. So lots of things to, to think about and make it, uh, make that whole process of putting the puzzle together fun. That's why we like elk hunting. Yep. Yep, exactly. But uh, I will let you get back to the rest of your day. And again, appreciate you coming on, talking, hunting, talking uh, on X and some of those updates. Gets me jacked and gets me motivated. And another reason to uh, why I do a podcast, get, keep motivations high and, and everybody being safe and, and uh, looking forward to their season. So appreciate it. Yeah, de- definitely. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate the invite on again. And We'll have to uh, do a recap after the season, see how everything unfolded. Um, and, yeah, just appreciate it. Good luck this season to you and to, to everybody listening. And uh, let us know if anybody has any questions or issues or um, anything at all, just at Onyx. It's pretty easy to find us, but onyxmaps.com um, is our website. Lots of FAQs there. Again, our master classes are on YouTube, so if you want to – fine-tune your skills both with using the maps and just general hunting, whether you're hunting Sharpies in South Dakota or elk in, you know, New Mexico, we've, we've got you covered. Awesome. We'll stick around here. I got a question to ask you after we hit, <laughs> stop recording, but <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. Thank you. To the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country.